Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, and we welcome you aboard today. You know, time and again, uh, while on the front lines of border security and the battle that's been taking place there, we have sheriff departments, we have various law enforcement officers and agencies who over and over make one thing perfectly clear to all of us. And basically that is that the border problem is a humanitarian crisis intertwined with the cartel. And of course, cartels are exploiting people on a daily basis. The amount of illegal apprehensions and arrest in fiscal year 2019, which we are currently in, is leaping far beyond past records. Uh, and all of this is proof that the border crisis not only exists, but it is getting worse and is something that absolutely must be addressed. Each day, just a few yards, literally, off of the interstate in Pinal County, Arizona, where I and about nine other members of Congress recently were uh, on a CODEL just uh, in, in late July, of this year, just right off of I-8, you can find leftover travel belongings from drug cartel members, uh, from those who are involved in human trafficking, drug smuggling, and all sorts of things. And they leave behind everything imaginable. I mean, I have pictures of it myself. Uh, trash, the sleeping bags that are left behind, carpet shoes. They they get these little pieces of carpet and cut them to fit their shoes so that they don't leave shoe prints in the sand. Uh, there's water jugs, there's homemade backpacks, there's camouflage clothing, all of this literally just yards off of I-8, which is a major corridor, a hot spot for smuggling, a hot spot for the black market. Uh, and just for, for keepsake of where we're talking about geographically here, specifically, we were about 70 miles north of the Mexican border. But according to uh, many reports by local officials, uh, about 40% of all illegal drugs are coming through the state of Arizona. And it makes these rural places absolutely un unbelievable hotspots. And I, again, I've seen it firsthand. Friends, you just have to witness what we're seeing. So what, the, what all this means is that the international, international terror cartels have literally operational control, if you will, over the flow of people, over the flow of drugs into these rural counties, and the people in the area absolutely are paying the price. All that to say, in order to address some of the root issues of the border crisis, it is absolutely essential that we secure the border. We need better coordination between both local and federal law enforcement agencies and all of this is the issue of our discussion today. All right, joining us today is Sheriff Mark Lamb of Pinal County. Uh, he, he took us on an incredible foot patrol around the I-8 corridor just a few weeks ago, and 
I can't wait for you to hear. Uh, you've heard a little bit from me, but it was an incredible experience. The Sheriff Lamb was first elected in 2017. Uh, he oversees a county that literally is the size of Connecticut. He manages more than 650 employees within his department. Uh, he started his law enforcement career when he was 34 years old, uh, most of the time spent uh, early on uh, with gang and drug uh, intervention as a detective. His office has several specialized units from narcotics to anti-smuggling. Uh, uh, he works with federal partners to combat human uh, trafficking and drug trafficking coming through the county from our southern border. And I, I just simply cannot say enough about Sheriff Lamb. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you on board with us today. Thank you, Congressman. Thank you for the kind words. Well, you're very welcome. Listen, it was an incredible experience for us to be there. Uh, I think it is fascinating. Most people don't realize, including myself, until recently being there, just the size of Pinal County, almost 5,400 square miles, about the size of the entire state of Connecticut. I, I can't ima imagine, what are some of the unique challenges that you face having a, a county that size when it comes specifically to managing law enforcement needs, uh, that is an enormous territory to try to cover. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a huge area. And, you know, we're, we're not even one of the largest counties in Arizona. You know, there's only 15 counties in Arizona, so we all have very large counties. And, uh, you know, particularly in our, our county, it presents a lot of challenges. I only have uh, about 220 sworn deputies. About 100 of those are on patrol. So imagine I've got four different shifts. Wow. Uh, that breaks down to about 25 deputies per uh, shift throughout the entire county. Wow. And I, there's 450,000 people, um, of the which I'm responsible for about 250,000 of those 450,000. So that it, is unbelievable. Tough, you know, that is tough. I mean, it the the uh, it's, it seems like the odds are stacked against you in so many ways. Just coming out of the uh, gate, just for uh, sheer size of the area that you've got to uh, manage. Now, in your time in law enforcement, uh, th there has got to be some enormous changes that you have seen take place over the years, specifically as it relates to things like drug trafficking. Uh, we were able to see with you some of those trails uh, off the corridor. Uh, what are some of the changes you've seen? Oh, it's, you know, the changes in law enforcement in general have been tremendous over the last 10 years. I think if you ask any police officer, just with technology, cell phones, uh, just with what social media has done, it is, it's created a very different work environment for law enforcement. Um, it's no different with the uh, smuggling aspect that we deal with on the south end of our county. Uh, as technology increases, so does the cartel. The cartel, they're, they're constantly evolving. They're constantly trying to stay ahead of us. And uh, these are challenges we face. Now, the different types of drugs that, have, that come across or, or what we deal with immigration-wise has also changed. Um, Ten years ago or 20 years ago, it used to be all about immigration, people wanting to come here and work and, and try to make a better life. And then they would work for six months, go home for six months. Yeah, that's changed over the last 10 to 20 years. The cartel has their hand in everything. You don't come into this country unless you save the cartel. 
or you're transporting drugs for the cartel, um, they literally have taken over that whole entire industry. And so that's why I say this isn't about immigration anymore. This is about drug trafficking and human trafficking into America. And that's why we take it so serious. Well, and I think people need to understand that. When you say the drug cartels have been evolving to always try to stay a step ahead of you, I mean, they are phenomenally well-financed just by the sheer amounts of money they get from trafficking humans to drugs to uh, all the, the various ways that they uh, take in funding. Do you have any idea just how much the cartels in your area take in on a weekly or monthly or annual basis? Oh, you know, no, and, and there's really no way to know that, but I would say it's a, it's a significant amount uh, to where they keep doing their business. So, I mean, we're not affecting them. I always say when you talk about how we affect them, the losses, whether it's whether we catch a body load, which those are always gains because they're they're collecting the money up front. So whether that person gets there or not, there's no money back guarantee. Um, you take the drugs piece, we can affect them a little bit more there. And but even then, let's say Walmart, Walmart has and not to equate Walmart with the cartel. I don't want people in Walmart to be angry with me, but. I'm just giving this as an example because everybody knows Walmart. If you take Walmart, they have an acceptable loss amount. So they may say, okay, between damaged goods and theft and this and that, we have 15% acceptable loss margin. Um, the cartel is a big business, so they obviously have their acceptable loss margin as well. And the fact that they keep doing the same thing over and over again means that we haven't affected them to the point where they need to change their... Uh, their transportation model that much. So that's, that's a great example. To, yeah. And that drives us to be better, to work harder, to try to affect them more. Well, it's got to be an enormous task when you think of the, the, um, the type of money or avenues, revenues, streams that the cartels have to try to cripple their work has got to be in and of itself an extremely difficult battle because regardless of what the amount is, they are incredibly well financed. And with that, they're oh. able to have all sorts of equipment and personnel on both sides of the border, keeping a watch on you guys and everything that y'all do. What are some of the challenges facing uh, law enforcement, not just in Pinal County, but also in the state of Arizona and for that matter, around the country? Well, I'll talk Pinal County first. Pinal County, we have scouts that live in these mountains. They have radios. They have in many cases, they have night vision. They have uh, binoculars, they uh, firearms, and they sit up in the mountains and make sure that their loads get to where they're supposed to get. And they protect them from both law enforcement and a unique thing in our county is the RIP crews, other drug dealers from, let's say, Phoenix, who want to get the product without having to pay for the, the manufacturing of it or the transportation of it. And so we fight that battle. Um, one of the big things we're all facing, and it particularly as it relates to smuggling, is it used to be that we used to be able to take a load down, a money load. So the drugs come in, and then you try to catch the money leaving the country back into Mexico. It wasn't uncommon to catch a 200000 dollar load, money load, and sometimes even more. But what they've done is we talked about the technology. We talked about them ever-evolving. 
Now what they do is they take the money and they put it on these Home Depot um, gift cards or these Visa gift cards. And some of them, they've caught with well over millions of dollars on these gift cards. And those gift cards, they can transfer that balance. If somebody gets pulled over, you know, and they get tipped off, or that wallet, that guy's wallet goes into the impound, before we ever can do anything with it, they've transferred that money over to another car. Wow. And so these are some challenges that we're facing across this country as law enforcement is how do we cripple them money-wise when they're constantly evolving and staying ahead of the game? And so um, that's a big challenge that not just we face here in Arizona, but across this country. Well, and that is. As you, as you see, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, as you see states, I know most states think it's not a big deal to to legalize marijuana. If you think the cartel has given up on that piece of their business that easy, you're kidding yourself. Absolutely. We know for a fact that the cartel has embedded themselves in California and in Colorado and Nevada, and they've pretty much taken over the the marijuana industry in those states, whether they whether these people want to admit it or not. And they are now manufacturing that here legally and selling those drugs here legally. We've, we've actually created an avenue for them to, to uh, generate profits on a legal basis uh, where before they had to try to smuggle it into the country. Wow. Great point. And I, I know when you, when you mentioned even just how they have the scouts up in the mountains, just the chilling effect literally it had when we – uh, got out of the vehicles with you, and you're one of the first things out of your mouth after you personally went and scouted out uh, an area, you came back and said, just know that right now you are being watched by the cartels. I mean, just the the reality of that in itself is very chilling. I know also you never anticipated or uh, certainly never invited the kind of national attention that has been coming to your county and the, the state, the area, uh, but uh, even here, just uh, uh, you've now been featured on Live PD. Uh, uh, the Pinal County Adult Detention Center was showcased on A&E's 60 Days earlier this year. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of publicity and attention that has been drawn uh, in your direction here uh, in recent months. Can you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about those experiences? Yeah, and it's true. You said it right. I didn't ask for any of it. Um, these things kind of came our way. We got a lot of attention initially just because we are a 287G gel county, which means that our gel actually works with ICE. And so that, when uh, President Trump took office, that was a hot topic for a lot of, of people. And so we started getting some national attention there. And then um, Live PD and, and 60 Days In, just I think the where where we're at and just the type of uh, how different it is from let's say Georgia or the East Coast, it it really was uh, attractive to people and so they came out here. Now I did those things we talked about initially about how law enforcement has changed. Well, I truly am an outside the box thinker, and I believe that we need to change the narrative and set and show people across this country how good. How many good people are out there doing this job every day that put the badge and the uniform on and go out and protect our communities? And I felt like where we were with that la with the last administration, we had a real need to really change the, the, the perception. 
And I think those programs like Live PD and 60 Days In really give people a feel for the job and and how hard it is and, and some of the things that we deal with. And so we were more than willing to take it on. And, and as you know, this is an elected official. I felt the need to be transparent. And I wasn't afraid to show my voters what we have, good or bad. I was willing to to take it. And some things you take on the chin and some things you can you know, you're able to tout as good things that you've done. So I I feel blessed to have been able to do those things, and I hope that it truly has changed people's perception of law enforcement and how this job can and is being done across this country. Well, I think the transparency element is extremely important, and people want that. People appreciate the fact that you are willing to be transparent with what's going on and uh, you know, all of this, uh, one, one of the things that I've been struck with now, having had a, a couple of different trips to multiple sectors on the southern border, is the morale that you, you guys are able to keep up. I mean, you're, you're talking incredibly committed, awesome people who are, are Border Patrol agents and working with ICE and across the board in every area, just amazing individuals that we have been able to witness. And the fact that you've been able to keep the morale up as just uh, a feat of no small measure in any way of determining it. Uh, we've only got just a, a, a minute or so left, but just in closing, what are some of your short-term goals, long-term goals for the department? As, as we're facing nationally this immigration crisis, what are the, some of the things that you hope, both on a short-term and long-term basis, that you and we as a country are able to accomplish? Great question. I think, you know, short term, I hope that we can continue to, to staff ourselves the way we need to be staffed, and that's a long-term goal as well. I would hope that we can uh, be able to, with our federal partners, continue to attack the cartel and, and weaken them and, and hopefully disrupt and dismantle their operations. And then on a country level, I hope that we can come together as a country. Honestly, I'm really dis, disheartened by the hate and some of the vitriol that exists in in this country. And we need to come together and realize we're all Americans and we're all facing the same issues and problems and challenges in our families and in our homes. And and I would love to see the, the restoration of the family unit and the importance of of the structure of the family and how, how it has really been the backbone of this country for so long. So... Those are some things that I'd really like to see short and long term. And I try to do things in our community that that foster those things as well. Extremely well said. Sheriff Mark Lamb of Pinal County, Arizona, thank you so much for joining us today and for the incredible work that you and your team do, not only for your area, but in behalf of our entire nation. Hats off and deep gratitude to every one of you. Thank you, Congressman. God bless, and thanks for having me on today. It's our pleasure. Well, folks, listen, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you would, we always appreciate if you would take a moment to rate and review this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud, and be sure to follow us at facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and through Twitter at Freedom Caucus. Until next time, this is Jody Heiss on the Freedom Caucus podcast. Have a fantastic remainder of your day. We'll see you next time.